Amen. Thank you, Brother Wendell. I appreciate you as always, my friend. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. 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 Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This morning we're going to be closing out chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 43 through 54 and uh, closing out the chapter. This morning, the title of the message is A Father's Love. Now, we took a break, uh, took a week off from John chapter 4 last week in our study in the book of John. But going back to the week before, we were talking about the Samaritans that had come to Jesus and they were placing their faith and trust in Him. Those Samaritans that the woman at the well had spoken to and brought out of the city and told them that she had met a man who told her everything she had ever done and asked them the question, is this the Messiah or could this be the Messiah? So now as we pick up our story this morning, or the story leads on, Jesus is leaving the area of Samaria. So beginning in verse 43 is where we pick up our text this morning. And God's Word says, Now after the two days He, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus Himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, or a royal official, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. This morning we're speaking about a father's love. So let's pray together, please. God, our Father, we bow before you and we thank you for the love that you have for us. You demonstrated your love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You sent your Son so that we could have everlasting life in His name, by His sacrifice. So Lord, today we want to thank you for that. Thank you for your love. We can't earn it, we don't deserve it, but you love us regardless. Thank you. Bless our time in your word today and help us to look to you for everything that we need, strength, courage, whatever it might be, comfort. Today, help us to see you as the giver of all good gifts 
and help us to come before your throne with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning we're looking at this Father's love. But it, it doesn't begin with the Father's love. As you see, the story kind of unfolds there as Jesus comes out of Samaria and He goes down into Galilee and He goes to a place called Cana. Now we've been to Cana before because this is where Jesus had turned the water into wine at the uh, wedding, the, the festival that was there. and We, we uh, covered that a, a while back, how Jesus was there at this wedding. His mother came to Him and says, look, they're running out of wine. And Jesus says, my time has not come. But anyway, she looked at him and she told the, the, the messengers or the servants that were there, do everything that he says to do. And Jesus instructed them and then he turned the, he turned the water to wine and, and that was his first miracle there. So now he comes back to the same town. And it says that uh, while he was there, a certain nobleman came from Capernaum which is a far distance away, found out where Jesus was, and he came to Jesus because his son was sick. So the first part we're going to look at is the official part of this visit. The official, the man, the nobleman, he was first mentioned as an official. A royal official is what my notes have there right beside that verse where it says nobleman. So your, your uh, particular translation of the Bible may have royal official there. But this guy was somebody. All right, we'll start with it that way. He was, he was an important person in the area. His son was sick, so he had a need. In verse 46, look at that with me. A certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So he came to Jesus because he had a need. His need was that his son was sick. And in verse 47, is that his son was at the point of death. So he was desperate. He came because he needed something. And he recognized, he had heard about Jesus. He may have seen Him before. I don't know if he had seen any of his miracles. But what he had done was he had heard, at least heard, that people were saying that this guy can do miracles. So what he was seeking was just that. He had a need. And he went to the one that he heard was able to meet that need. Now, you know that every one of us has a need. I was reading in the book this, this week that, that um, we all have a particular need. You know, everything that we think that, that separates us from somebody else, you know, we, our, need, our need may be this particular thing, but deep down, they all come from the same source. They, they have the same root. It's, when we have something in our life, it, it, a lot of times, most of the time, it comes from the sin that's in our life. Now, not blaming everything on that, but that is the source of all hurt, pain, and, and, and all. it comes from that particular thing. Now, when this official came to Jesus, his need was for his son to be healed. So he came to Jesus and he made a request. Look in verse 47. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. So he had this, and then reading on to verse 49, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
You see, he had that need, so he went to Jesus with his request. His request was fairly simple, except that it wasn't simple at all. I mean, seriously, who can just heal people? Well, he heard that Jesus could, so he went to the person that he heard could meet his need, and he made a request of him. He says, this is what I need. My son is sick. He implored him to heal his son. Come down and heal my son. Now, imagine this. Wherever he was, however far it was, this man came to Jesus and he said, look, please, come imploring, come to heal my son. And then Jesus makes a statement. He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. That's Seems completely out of place right there because this guy, I mean, he's got something else on his mind and he's not really, I don't imagine he's even paying attention a whole lot to what Jesus just said because his mind is focused on getting his son healed. But Jesus makes the statement, unless I prove it to you, you won't believe that I'm God. You won't believe that I'm the Messiah. And then the guy switches, uh, he... His fatherly instincts kick in, I guess. Maybe it was his Roman official instincts that kicked in, or his official capacity that kicks in. Because what he says there, he says, Sir, come down before my child dies. It sounds like he's imploring him still, but there's a hint of a command in that. Think about it, just for a moment. First, he implores Jesus, Please come down and heal my son. I'm asking you, please. And then he says, sir, come down and heal my son. It's almost as if he's trying to command Jesus to do what he wants to do, him to do. Now listen, you can't tell God what to do. You can't, God has a purpose in what he does in our life. And he's going to fulfill that purpose. He's going to bring that purpose out. Now, what, where we mess up is when we think we know what God should do in our life. Instead of asking Him what He wants to do, we tell Him what we want done. Commanding God to meet our need. Commanding God to do what we want Him to do, that's not the way that it's supposed to go. You see, we are the creation. He's the creator. We are the powerless. He is the powerful. You see, the only power that we have is what He gives us allows us to have and use. It comes from Him. So for the pot, the clay, to tell the, the potter, there you go, the potter what to do, it's a, it's a little bit out of place. So for this guy to come to Jesus and say, come down and heal my son. Even though he meant it, I'm sure he, he didn't mean it as a command, but it might have kind of slipped out that way because he was already a royal official and used to having people follow his commands. It might have just come out that way. Sometimes we, we get a little too used to telling God what to do. Instead of requesting, we start demanding and commanding God. So now, the official first had a need. And he went to the one whom he believed could meet that need. Then he requested of him to do 
to meet the need, to heal his son. But now listen to this. In verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. So he believed. That was his belief. He believed what Jesus said. Now Jesus, all He said to him was, Go your way, your son lives. So he believed what Jesus said. Now, let me ask about this for just a moment. Whenever you tell somebody that there's someone in your family sick or you're sick or something like that, what a, most of the time, somebody's going to say, Everything's going to be okay. All right, I'm sure this will work out and everything's going to be all right. You see, that there's the kind of the general uh, mindset that everything will be okay, the illness will run its course, and then you'll be better on the other side of it. That's the idea behind that statement. And it might have been, it might have been that the father, or the official, took it that way. Jesus said it's going to be okay. Maybe it was just hope. Maybe it was just the general sense that everything would be all right. Maybe... He took it that Jesus was a prophet. Well, Jesus said everything's going to be okay, and if he's a prophet, then he knows he gets it from God, so uh, everything's going to be okay. The Scripture literally says he believed the words of Jesus. He's going to be okay. But there's a difference. Believing, uh, believing in what somebody says or believing in that someone that said it. So he believed the words. He had the need, he sought out the one who could help him and made his request, and then he believed that his son was going to be okay. So this official took care of his official business. But then the story changes. The story, the man changes. He steps out of his official capacity and he becomes a father. And in, in this is what I really wanted to focus on this morning. You see, the official part of things, all those times where you know, we present ourselves and we expect God to do this because He's our genie in the bottle and we rub it and we ask God, to, God, I want you to do this. This is, this is what I need right now. You take care of that for me. All that's, that's our official capacity. But then... You see, we've got to get past that. We've got to get to the point where it's a personal relationship that we do when, we, when we're talking to God, when we're seeking His presence, when we're seeking His will for our life. We go to Him and say, God, what do you want me to do? You see the difference? We go to God sometimes and say, God, this is what I want you to do. And what we need to do is go to God and say, what do you want me to do? Now, moving out of the the official capacity into the personal capacity. Do you know God, that God is our personal God? Not that, I mean, He's the overall, He's the mighty God, the, the everlasting Father. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the ultimate power. But, He is your personal God as well. And He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that He is your Father in heaven who loves you and wants to take care of you. 
It's not just an official thing that we have to go through to ask for forgiveness and ask for uh, this or that and, and pray to Him because He demands it. No, He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to spend time with Him and love Him back the way that He loves us. So now, this Father, He steps out of His official capacity and He comes back to being a Father. In verse 51, And as He was now going down, His servants met Him and told Him, saying, Your son lives. Listen. They told Him the same words that Jesus told Him. Your son lives. So He gets good news. This is... The good news, that this is the news that he wanted all along. That's why he went down to meet Jesus. That's why he asked Jesus to heal his son, because he wanted his son to live. Now, isn't it always good news when you get that news from the doctor, hey, everything's going to be okay? And that's not just a prophetic word. That's just saying, hey, this is the medical, this is the thing, and uh, this is the truth. Here it is. I've got it. You know, this is, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. We've got it right where we want it. And when you come out of that, when you're, when you're healed, when, it, when everything's okay and you get back to normal, and you're like, wow, you know, he brought good news. The good news was that the son's alive. The son, now we're heading into Easter. And I wrote this down right under the good news. He lives. The son of the nobleman was healed by Jesus and he lives. The Son of God went through crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. He lives. So now, what we are looking at is a totally different scenario. The Father has received that good news. He accepted it. He received it. The guys came to him and told him the same things that Jesus said. Your son lives. And then, this is the turning point for him. He inquired of them the hour he got better. You see, all the gears started meshing in his mind. The little light bulb went off. He says, my son lives? Now wait a minute. Exactly what time did he get better? Because in his mind, he remembers Jesus telling him, your son lives. When they said, your son lives, it brought back to his memory when or what Jesus said and when he said it. So he says, he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. That was his question. When? What time? He's like, hey, how did this happen? When did it happen? Because there's something going on here that I don't quite understand. But it's coming. It's being revealed. You see, again, the light bulb is starting to get brighter and brighter and all the cogs are starting to mesh and, and everything's coming about just the way that Jesus wanted it to. And here's, here's the thing. Look at verse 53. So the Father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he believed. You see, the first thing is, he, he says, they said, well, it was about one o'clock yesterday afternoon. And he was thinking to himself, 
Well, it was about 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon that Jesus said, your son lives. And he started putting it together. He says, okay, the same time that Jesus said, your son lives, he was healed. Jesus is in Cana. My son's in Capernaum. Jesus said he's, he's healed, he will live, and he lived. So the thing start, he started to understand that was his realization. He, he knew, the scripture says, he knew at that point. It took him a little while to get there. But he asked the right questions. And he came to the right conclusion. He knew what had happened. And it wasn't just something that Jesus said, it was something that Jesus did. That's the whole point of this. Jesus wasn't just wishing him well. Jesus wasn't just uh, being a prophet and telling him how it was all going to come out. Jesus, he took action on behalf of the Father with the Son. Jesus did it. And then told the Father, it's going to be okay, your son will live. Action. Jesus has taken action to heal the Son. The Father didn't know anything about it. All He had to do was believe the Word. Jesus said the Word. Now, the Father's faith had to come from the Word. He believed the Word, but then He didn't, he didn't exactly put it together that it was, it was Jesus that did it. He believed the Word, but then when He realized that it was an action that Jesus had taken, He believed the action. He believed in Jesus, the giver of the word. When he came to that realization, that caused his faith to come alive. You see, before he was acting in his official capacity, and even to the point of maybe commanding or at least demanding that Jesus do something. When Jesus spoke the word, it was accomplished he didn't know that it was accomplished, but he believed the word. But then when he realized that it had been accomplished, that Jesus had taken action, he put his faith not in the words, but in the one who gave the words. So, the man's realization turned into faith. Faith in the one who heals, and he himself believed. His faith. It was personal for him at that point. It was no longer an official capacity. It was no request from an official. And it wasn't a command that was given out that must have been done by somebody who was doing their duty. It was someone who loved him enough to heal his son. He loved the son enough to heal him. So you see, it was personal. It was something that Jesus had done for him. Now, he didn't know Jesus. He knew of him. He met him and asked him. But he didn't know him. But Jesus knew him. Jesus knew the Father. Jesus knew the Son. Because the, the Father didn't have to tell Jesus where the boy was, where they lived, give him an address, and, and take him there. Because, you know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is Lord over time, Space and matter. He created all of it. Time, space, and matter. So it didn't matter where the boy was, he was healed. 
It didn't matter how far it took them to get there because he was healed at that instant, so that was time and space. And the boy himself was healed, that's matter. So Jesus took care of it all. And he wasn't even there. You go through the scriptures and you see time and time again where Jesus is Lord over time, space, and matter. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. Time, space, and matter didn't matter to the Lord. He calmed the sea. All those things. Every miracle. It was because He is Lord over all those things. So the man had a personal faith in Jesus. And when he got home, it says, and his whole household. And he himself believed, and his whole household. So how was it that his household came to faith in Jesus? It's through the Father. Through the Father's faith, it was passed down to his wife and children, all those of his household. Because you know what he was probably doing? He was saying, look, I saw Jesus. And guess what he did? Guess what he said? Guess when he said it and when my son was healed? And let me tell you, he did it there. It happened over here. He took care of it right then. It was an action that he did. Not just some words that he spoke. Not just something written down on paper. He took care of it. He took action. The father's faith was contagious. And the whole family got sick with it. Maybe that's a bad analogy. Okay? All right, I understand. But you know what I'm saying. Because this is a bad time to talk about sickness, right? All right. But here he is. He's so on fire with the truth that he's just realized that he wants everybody else to know it too. It's not just that Jesus said something or I met him and I saw him do this or I saw him do that. He did something for me. He told me that my son would live. And he took action. He saved my son. He gave witness. Now let me talk about this for just a moment. And I'm going to be closing. You see, the thing is, we're here today, we're gathered together and we're getting good news. And the good news is simply this. Jesus saves. He loves you. He wants to take action on your behalf. But you've got to ask. He's not going to run over you like a bulldozer. He's not going to chase you down and, and tackle you and make you do something you don't want to do. He offers it to you and it's a you must request it. You must ask Him to help you. So when you ask, he will act on your behalf. Because the action has already been taken. You see, 2,000 years ago, give or take, Jesus went to the cross, died for you so that you could have everlasting life. He took action for you before you ever were, knowing that you would come and would need salvation by Him. So He took care of it. But now you've got to come to Him and ask. And some people might say, well, that's arrogant. Why, why would he have to come to him? Because he is the Lord of all things.
Y'all didn't hear that. That's my, my medical update on my dad. Sorry. It's supposed to be off, by the way. I thought I turned it off. All right, where was I at? Now, the Lord wants to show you. He wants to act on your behalf. And you see, the thing of it is, he's waiting for you to ask. He's waiting. And when, he, when you come to him, he's overjoyed with the idea that you want him to act on your behalf. And he's willing, ready, and able to take care of whatever it is that you want him to take care of. He's ready to give you his salvation. He's ready to give you exactly what you need, his saving grace. He took care of it over 2,000 years ago. But it takes you believing that he acted on your behalf in order for you to receive the spiritual healing that you need. It begins with a personal faith. It's got to be you in him. It can't be somebody else that you're tagging along with or piggybacking on. No, it's got to be you and him. And when you believe that he took action for you, you know what he does? He heals you. He saves you. He gives you everlasting life in his name. And I guarantee you when he does that, you're going to want to tell somebody. Are you ready for that today? Let me ask you, have you been saved? Have you accepted his gift of salvation because he offers it today? He's waiting for you to ask and receive it. He's here this morning wanting you to receive him, to have that personal relationship with him. And when you do, he gives you the keys to the kingdom, salvation, everlasting life. We can't understand how good it's going to be. But if the Lord is leading you to that this morning, if he's brought you to that realization, if you know that he's speaking to you, would you come during our invitation time? Let's pray together this morning. Father, how amazing you are in that you offer us something that we could never earn. You offer us something that we could never deserve. But because of your love, you want us to have it. So Lord, today if there's someone here that needs your salvation, would you bring them forward? Would you have them to ask? so that you can bless them with the riches of glory, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in our invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand for a hymn of invitation? Hymn number 320. Hymn 320, and as the Lord spoken to you, whatever he said, you follow him. <laughs>